Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I am, of course, Alex, your host, and today we are going to talk about the two ways that you can make money in the stock market. These are capital gains and dividends. I'm going to give some background on what these are and whether or not they can be reliably used as a stream of income. So stick around. You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host. So, once upon a time, I got into a debate on Twitter. Now, as you all can remember, I got into a similar debate with Jared from J-Rod Money and ended up bringing him on the show several times. Now, I am diversifying who I'm going to have for my debate buddy. Today's discussion topic is brought to you by Jason from at Finance Hippie on Twitter. He has some great content, so I definitely recommend going to check him out and potentially give him a follow. Our discussion on Twitter and what I'm going to talk about today is whether or not capital gains and dividends can be considered as a stream of income. Now, I do want to mention this before we get too deep into the episode. I'm going to use words like debate, argument, and several others that are similar throughout this episode. Please note that I do not mean any of these words in an aggressive way. We are not in an all-caps shouting match on Twitter. This is and will remain a civil debate. However, it is very difficult to have a good debate over Twitter due to the number of characters that you can get in per tweet. So the situation here is this. Finance theory is rather split between favoring either of our arguments depending on the specific points that we are talking about. Keep in mind that there can be no fairness when rules are applied with no account for the situation. For example, cash value life insurance policies. You cannot come out and say that they are absolutely 100% a bad thing. To be fair, they are usually horrid investments for about 90% of people, but they can be an excellent option for the other 10%. So I use that as an example to say that sometimes it's the situation that dictates whether or not something is right or wrong, and it is utterly possible that Jason and I are in this discussion in the first place simply because maybe of a misunderstanding that I have of his point or vice versa. Now, I got a little off track there, but my goal with this episode is to lay out the finance theory behind my argument and get my position out there, while teaching listeners about dividends versus capital gains. If there is still a debate going on between Jason and I after this episode comes out and he gets a chance to listen, I am going to have him come onto the show and we're just going to talk it out. With that introduction out of the way, let's go ahead and get into it. Remember that when you own shares of stock, you have actual ownership in the assets and income of that company. There are some exceptions, but in general, if the company makes more money, the shares become worth more, meaning that you have earned money. This is what we refer to as capital gains. Simply put, capital gains are when the value of your assets rise. Say you bought one share of Target at $100 per share, and now the shares are worth $110 per share. You have earned $10 per share in capital gains. It is important to note here that you did not actually receive $10. You still own just your one share, but that share is now worth more now than it was when you bought it. The only way for you to get that $10 is for you to sell your share. 
The term capital gains can also apply to other assets, really any asset. Say you bought your house for $150,000 and Zillow says your house is now worth $170,000. You may have quote-unquote earned that $20,000, but the only way that you can get that cash is by selling your house. That was a quick explanation of capital gains, so let's shift gears to dividends. Dividends are a portion of earnings that a company pays out to its shareholders. They can pay a dividend in cash or in more shares of stock. But for simplicity and for today's discussion, let's go ahead and stick with just cash. Now, I went to Yahoo Finance and used actual numbers for this next example. Remember that most companies that pay a dividend pay them out quarterly, meaning four times per year or every three months. Not so coincidentally, this is the same frequency that companies must report their earnings to the public. So here is how the dividends work. Target operates as a company for three months. Over those three months, Target earned $45.21 per share. Now, I'm going to use all these numbers in per share figures. And all that means is you take the total amount of revenues and expenses and you divide them out on a per share basis. Now, what that does here is that makes the numbers a lot smaller and a lot easier to deal with instead of $500 billion in expenses, $450 billion in... It just makes life a little bit easier. So to get back to it, Target earned $45.21 per share in revenue. Then they paid all their expenses, which came out to $42.42 per share. So about $45 in change in income and $42 in change in expenses. What is left over is known as the net income. Now, since we are already using per share numbers, the net income figure is going to be referred to as earnings per share. The earnings per share number for Target for the last quarter was $2.79. Now, at this point, the board of directors for Target must decide of that earnings per share, how much is the company going to hold on to and how much are they going to pay out to shareholders. The amount that they keep is referred to as retained earnings, and that is used to build more stores, give employees raises, buy more shopping carts, or just whatever else Target is going to need to keep running and potentially earn more money next quarter. The amount that is paid out to shareholders is called the dividend. It is usually paid out as straight up cash from the company to its owners and appears automatically in each shareholder's brokerage account because it's normally direct deposit. Now, let's keep using real numbers from Target's last three months of earnings. Target earned $2.79 per share. Of that, they paid a $0.68 cent dividend. So that means they retained $2.11 per share to keep running the company. And this gives us a new term that's called the payout ratio. And what that means is for the amount that a company earns, now that's income minus expenses. So for that net income number, of that amount that they get, how much do they give to shareholders or how much do they pay out to shareholders? In this case, we're looking at about 24%. So just a fun fact I wanted to throw in there for you. Everything that I have said thus far is pretty basic finance theory and as far as I know, is all information that Jason and I agree with. So here is where the arguments come in. I do not count capital gains as an income stream, but I do believe that dividends are an income stream. Jason says that neither capital gains nor dividends are an income stream. So let's go ahead and start with what we agree on, and that's going to be the capital gains. Now, keep in mind that while we both agree on something, that Jason from, again, at Finance Hippie might not agree for the same reasons that I do. 
and it's not my intention to speak for him. I do not count capital gains as an income stream because you must sell the asset to get the gains. So let's do another example. Say you own 1% of Target, and then the share price doubles. That means that whatever amount of money you had invested in the shares also doubled. To turn that amount into income, you must sell some of your shares. So let's say you go ahead and sell half of your shares, so that way you can take all of those gains that you earned. Let's assume you had $10,000 already invested in Target, and then when that doubling happened, that $10,000 became $20,000. To get to that money that you earned, you sold half of your shares, meaning that you still have $10,000 invested in Target, but now you also have $10,000 in cash. You did earn $10,000, which is awesome, don't get me wrong. Remember at the start of this when you owned 1% of Target? Well, since you sold half of your shares, now you only own half a percent of Target. You still earn $10,000, and you still have $10,000 invested in Target, but now you own less of the company. If you continue this trend of selling in order to turn your gains into cash, you're going to eventually run out of shares. That is why I personally do not count capital gains as an income stream. It does make money, but really, you're just turning your assets that you already own into cash. Now, you're doing so at a profit, but eventually you run out of assets to sell. To further beat this dead horse, with one more metaphor, if I go on eBay or the Facebook Marketplace and start selling stuff around my home, you know, my desk, microphone, mattress, couches, etc., it can be an income stream for a short time, but eventually I'm just going to have an empty house and a pile of cash. Overall, I think that capital gains are an excellent way to build wealth, but I don't count it as quote-unquote income. Now, for the star of today's show, dividends. For this, I'm going to borrow Warren Buffett's metaphor. Say you own a 100-acre farm. That farm grows crops, sells the produce, and uses some of the earnings to buy seeds and fertilizer for the next season, and pays out everything left over to the farmer. Let's say that every day, your neighbor comes by and offers to buy your farm from you. Some days, he offers you a price that is higher, and some days he offers you a price that is lower. No matter what your neighbor offers, every season, your farm is going to keep growing crops and paying you what it earns. Capital gains is if your neighbor offers you more money today than he did yesterday. Dividends are the income that your farm gives you after all the expenses are paid and funds are set aside for next season. Now, if you don't know, in this scenario, you're the farmer and your neighbor is the stock market. Every day, the price might change, but you still own that underlying company, and that company is going to keep operating and keep making money. Now, here's a bit of finance theory that I have not yet covered, and this is the theory that creates a huge rift that currently exists between dividend investors and growth investors, and the theory is this. Whenever a company pays out a dividend the company is worth that much less the next day. So Target paid a $0.68 cent dividend last quarter, so the stock price theoretically should have been $0.68 cents lower than it was the day before the dividend was paid. Why does this happen? Well, remember that a share of stock is a claim on the assets and income of the company. So when a company pays a dividend, that means that it loses that amount of cash. Why? Because it takes the cash out of their accounts and gives it to the shareholders. So because the company has less assets, it should, therefore, be worth 
less money. People that are anti-dividend tend to use this as a argument to try to save dividend investors from making a huge mistake and state that capital gains are therefore superior. Their argument, which is the argument that Jason has, is that receiving a dividend is no different than selling shares and receiving capital gains. If a company pays a 1% dividend and then becomes worth 1% less than it was before the dividend, instead, you could have easily just sold 1% of your shares and then quote-unquote created your own dividend. Take your 100-acre farm. Say you don't grow anything. You're just owning the farm until you can sell it for a higher price. If you sell 1% of your farm to your neighbor, you did create your own dividend. However, now you have a 99-acre farm. Here's the problem with that entire argument. The real world doesn't care about theory. The real world is going to operate how it wants with zero regard for academia. Remember that at the end of the day, there is only one thing that makes stock prices go up and go down, and that is supply and demand. The volume of people that are buying the stock versus the volume of people selling the stock. They may be buying and selling for different reasons, but at the end of the day, it is a game of tug of war, not math. Let's look back at the actual numbers for Target. The day before they paid the dividend, the closing price was $165 and change. The next day, Target paid the $0.68 cent dividend, and the stock price closed at $163 and change. Don't worry, I did the math for you. According to theory, the stock price should have dropped $0.68, cents, but actually the price dropped $2.14. Now, bear with me here. The day after the dividend was paid, Target stock price closed at $166 and change. So the day after the dividend was paid, the stock price was higher than it was before it ever paid the dividend. The point here is that everyone in the market knows that a company is going to pay a dividend. We all knew that Target was about to lose billions of dollars by giving it to shareholders, but do you know what happened? The next day, Hundreds of Target stores opened across America and across the world, let customers in, and got started earning money all over again. It is very important to keep in mind here that there are a thousand things that will make investors buy or sell a stock, and therefore raise or lower the stock price. While paying a dividend will push the stock price down, there are 999 other things which may bring the price up or bring the price down. That is what you are seeing in the Target example, as well as with thousands of other dividend companies every year. In most cases, a $0.68 cent dividend is not that big of a deal to investors over the current events of the economy or of the company. To go back to our metaphor, one day your farm had 100 acres of produce ready to be harvested and sold. When your neighbor came over to offer to buy your farm, he saw that and therefore offered you a good price to buy your farm. The next day when he came to make his offer, he saw that all your fields were empty, so he offered you a lower price. Well, you know what happened next? You started planting the next crop so that you can grow it, sell it, and do it all over again. In conclusion, my argument is this. I don't consider capital gains a source of income because selling pieces of your farm will eventually leave you with nothing. Because you are going to sell an acre, get cash, and live off of that cash until you need to sell another acre. You might sell each acre for a higher price than the previous one, 
but you will eventually sell all 100 and end up with nothing. Alternatively, I do consider dividends to be an income stream because you can sell a crop, grow another one, sell it, and repeat. The whole time, you never sell any piece of your farm. You can just live off of the proceeds. Who cares if your neighbor offers you more or less each day? You still own your entire farm, and you are still earning money every season. Now, this is not to say that there won't sometimes be a drought, or something else can come along and mess up your harvest. But in general, those things are few and far between, and afterwards, things typically return to normal. So, that is my argument for why I believe dividends are a great source of income, and why I do not count capital gains as an income stream. However, me being a bit extra as I am, I decided to take this a little bit farther. Since I am quoting or somewhat teaching about finance theory, I reached out to one of my college finance professors and sent her my script for this episode, which had everything that you've heard so far. She read over everything and gave me back some comments that I'm going to go ahead and address now. The first thing is that nowhere in Jason and I's discussion have we talked about taxes. Tax rates and strategies for reducing the amount of taxes can and will likely be an episode all on its own. Keep in mind that taxes should be considered before you are jumping into any kind of tax strategy because it could very much tip the scales one way or the other. I'm not going to cover that now because that's going to make this episode way too long, and I've probably lost a lot of you already. <laughs> the next note she had is that for this entire discussion, our arguments are mostly semantics. By definition, capital gains and dividends are both income streams. Capital gains and dividends can both provide an income. However, they do so differently. One does so by liquidating the asset and creating a one-time cash flow, while the other is a string of recurring cash flow that doesn't require the sale of the asset. My argument has always been that I do not consider capital gains an income stream because it is not a recurring cash flow unless you are actively drawing down on your assets to live on. Also important to my opinion here is that I am very much a buy-and-hold investor and not a trader. When I buy something, I buy it to own it for long periods of time. With that in mind, it is natural that I would gravitate towards dividend stocks, which do not require selling the asset in order to earn an income off of the asset. For investors with no qualms about buying and selling shares regularly, capital gains make more sense as an income stream because those investors may not hold the shares long enough to even receive the dividend, because remember, it's only paid out once every three months. So if you're buying and selling over a period of time less than that, you can't really rely on dividends. Plus, those investors can always sell an asset, put some cash aside to be their quote-unquote income that they're taking out, and then reinvest the rest. Really, this whole thing is just a matter of investing style over who is right and who is wrong. The last comment my professor had was on my capital gains metaphors. Throughout this episode, I have made references to selling pieces of your farm and selling every item in my house. The way those metaphors are presented assume that you are using all the money that you get from selling the stuff to live off of, and that you are not reinvesting the proceeds of those sales. The metaphors can change drastically if you imagine that instead of selling 10 acres of your farm to live off of, you're selling 10 acres of your farm so that you can buy 20 acres of the struggling farm that's down the street so that you can turn it around for a profit. Completely changes all of this. But it's like I said early on in the episode. Whether or not something is right or wrong for you, 
depends on your situation and what it is you're trying to do. Alrighty, and I would first like to congratulate everyone who is still listening. This episode was very heavy with theory and had lots of information. I sincerely hope that all of you who listened all the way through have learned several things from today. If you guys have questions, you're always free to tweet me at Main Street Money. Be sure you go and check out Jason over at Finance Hippie. That link is going to be in the description below. Special shout out to Dr. Lewis. You are absolutely the best. Always were. And for everyone else out there, I'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.